welcome to another Club Sports 10 Bit More podcast. Today I'm delighted to be breaking ground on two levels. Firstly, I have two female coaches, Jill and Jill, who are working within hockey. Both have coached boys and girls in sport, but have taken on a new exciting project in Edmonton for young female hockey players. Okay, so I welcome Jill and Jill, both female hockey coaches. I just want to quickly get you to both introduce your current uh, roles in sport in a moment. So which one's going to go first? I'll go first. Uh, This is Jill Gillis speaking, and thank you for having us, John. So we, Jill, I met Jill this year uh, through our community hockey organization, where we landed upon a unique opportunity to coach um, the girls that have registered in in the U11 age group. And we noticed that that there was um, quite a few of them and um, took the opportunity to put our names forward at least to be coaches. Um, we both have a varsity level um, and in Jill's case, even higher caliber of, of um, play at the hockey. And we just thought this was a really unique opportunity to give back. Um, so that's, that's where um, and I'm speaking for Jill already, but um, that might happen throughout, throughout the podcast. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, that's where we are in the coaching world. Um, in terms of, of myself, uh, I've, still playing uh, soccer quite at a high level and um, continue to train just overall fitness. So I'll let Jill chime in if if you want to add anything, Jill. Okay. Uh, I'm Jill Schmiller. Again, John, thanks for having us. Um, Like Jill mentioned, I'm involved with this same uh, girl squad um, with our hockey organization. Aside from that, I also teach at a sports academy here in Edmonton. I was with the hockey program, and now this year I have another opportunity with a different sports program. Uh, I'm involved with my kids, uh, hockey, younger children, um, and I also enjoy staying active, um, keeping my fitness level up, and I also still play um, like a mid-high level, rec level hockey on the side, my own time. Excellent. So both of you come from great sporting backgrounds and still playing the game. And I, I know, again, we're looking mainly from a, a female perspective. And I know that's one of the challenges when families come along. That's where we tend to lose a lot of coaches. So it's great to hear that you're both coaching and still following a passion for sport. Um, my first question to both of you is, can you describe your childhood sporting experience? Sure. I'll start again. Uh, Jill Gillis here. Um, So I was one of those kids that played everything. Um, So you name it. I was multi-sport to probably, I don't know, I I struggle with the multi-sport discussion now. I think it's awesome and and wonderful that the exposure uh, is, can be encouraged and we have so many opportunities. However, I would kind of say that I was almost too multi-sport um, that I had a hard time finding what I should settle on. I've um, played high-level soccer when I was younger. I went on to, you know, do every school sport possible and, and provincial teams. And I was on the junior national triathlon team. So, like, it was, it was so, so much and such a variety. Um, but I didn't ever find, okay, like, what should I actually <laughs> focus on here and um, and go for it it was just like I just wanted to do everything so that was that was my sport background and then I guess um, you know like when I went to school uh, university was you know education was why I went and then when I was there saying 
I should uh, play hockey because I know how to. And <laughs> I think it would be really fun and it add to the experience of the education. So that's um, that's my sport background. I could, like I said, continue to play. I learned all the the skills and movements and and uh, a credit sport to so much of where I am now um, from the skills I've learned. So I'll let Jill chime in and, and your experience. Okay. Well, my experience was uh, a little different from Jill's. Um, from an early age, it was quite clear from just our family and neighborhood dynamics that hockey hockey was the sport. Um, from having a rink in our backyard and brothers and it was hockey, 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 road hockey, backyard hockey. Um, so right from the beginning, hockey was kind of like, I, I knew that was my niche, although um, I didn't know of any other females that played hockey. Um, at that point, it didn't really phase me. I was what I guess they would say a tomboy. So right from an early age, I was hockey and pretty much um, baseball, which I also started um, playing with the boys. And I eventually did switch over to girls. But all through the way, um, I'm going to say by grade seven by junior high by the time I was in junior high um, I was already pretty heavy into uh, competitive training for hockey um, off ice on ice power skating all the all faces of it um, so I didn't have quite the wide um, experience with many sports as Jill had and then uh, at about grade 10, I did switch over to girls hockey um, as size was becoming an issue and EGHA had just started in Edmonton. Um, and I knew of a number of girls from other organizations that were also switching over. So it's at that point where I kind of realized a, a different side of hockey as opposed to playing with the boys. There was a new social world Um that I never experienced on the boys team being the only female, which led to my exposure to university. Um, that was a, a goal for me early on to get there for the pandas had a great program. I knew that's where I wanted to go. And um, yeah, that was. That's an interesting one, Jill, because I say I've, I've coached lots of girls soccer and people always ask of the difference. And how would you describe the difference of playing boys hockey to girls hockey is it just the social side is is so more powerful well definitely there's the, the social side of it is night and day it's completely different um but uh on the ice i'd say on the ice it's pretty similar um a little more gritty with the boys i would say whereas girls are just maybe from society um trained to be more uh, apologetic or uh, not so um aggressive um, so there was that difference, but the major difference would be the social side of it. Uh, I know, again, I know just talking to coaches, I liken the girls and the boys game in soccer as different. Some people say the boys is more competitive and physical. But again, it's like looking at men and women's tennis. They're different games. One's a power game, one's a technical game. Right. That applies to, to junior hockey and adult hockey. For to a certain extent, yes. Um, you still have the uh, the range of you have on any team. You have your more aggressive, different players that fill different roles. Yeah. Um, on I maybe with the on the female side of it, there would be um, I'd say a smaller number of um, for lack of a better word, I'd call it higher achievers or have higher goals. Um, so there was a wide range on the female side of it. Where when I played on the male side of it. 
we were all more close in skill, closer in our, our aggressiveness. So um, not much disparity there. So again, but some would you say some of that can be linked to the pathways? I know we've got a girl who plays high-level soccer, and she's she's always played hockey. We picked her up as a hockey player playing boys hockey, and she transferred those skills into soccer really, really well. Okay. So she's found a different pathway in soccer that's possibly more viable to her than female hockey. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think like the, just the whole sports training. Um, I mean, I most sports that I try or dabble in, like I'm, I'm pretty successful. I, I think I'm like uh, have always been quite athletic. I'm lucky I guess in that way um but absolutely I would think that the skills and um what was in, ingrained in me through hockey training transfers over to other sports you got one of you is predominantly hockey one of you is multi-sport so <laughs> yeah. that must work really really well with young players to really emphasize that physical literacy component yeah we uh we noticed um those attributes really quickly, <laughs> I would say. Uh, and yeah, we've just be, been feeding on, off each other um, since we met, I'd say, and, and quickly have, you know, wanted to sort of like just use each other as um, to to kind of grow and, and develop as us for us as coaches, but mainly for the benefit of our of our girls in sport, right? So that's I, I mean we we connected on that level instantly. So it's it's been this really cool experience, and it's been short so far. So maybe we'll talk to you, John, in another couple of years and tell you more. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it sounds really good because, like I say, certainly boys hockey. Everyone's an expert here um, in back home in England. Everyone's an expert in football, soccer, and they just focus on the game component. Everyone comes with that that broad knowledge of the sport and they focus on coaching the sport and they miss those components like physical literacy and the mental skills of it. My next question for both of you is who was your greatest influence either as a player or as a coach uh, in your development and why? I can go first on this one. Um, I'm going to say early on, although, I mean, it was a little bit, it's a little biased, but uh, my dad coaching me early on um, definitely I think helped me gain the confidence and really pushed me to get out of my comfort zone with the boys. He pushed me to not hold back anything they do. I can get right in there and do too. So I would have to attribute that to him for keeping me going in the early years. And as a coach, I guess I would have to say um, Coach Draper with the Pandas. Um, was really my first, the first team I played on that had a completely dedicated coach to female, to a female sport or a female team. So that really opened my eyes to see that the opportunities aren't just present for males. They're present and they're achievable for females too. He pushed us hard. I know he took a lot of what he learned with the bears over to the pandas. So he had a pretty big influence on uh, well, my university years and just uh, as a evolving hockey player, even in my later years. And Jill? Yeah. So, so we, we didn't have, we, Jill and I talked about this a little earlier and we didn't really have too many female influences, which is, you know, when you look back and you think, wow, like that's pretty, 
pretty amazing because I've played a lot of sports and there hasn't been many at all. Uh, I was lucky enough to be coached um, in at the Dinos by Kathy Bergen. She was she was uh, amazing and a female and, and surrounded herself with with females. Um, for our coaching staff, which was, uh, which was really, really great. And it was the first experience I've had. Um, but I have to say like, uh, you know, and, and again, well-rounded or, or multi-sport. I mean, one of my, you know, one of the people that I look back and, and are really thankful about it is, uh, was for me in high school. And it was, um, my high school gym teacher who was also my coach on so many different, um, teams. And I started hanging out with some people that maybe I shouldn't have uh, at the time. And I remember him calling me in and saying, you know, Jill, you're, you got everything going. You're a great athlete. You can't, you know, you just really better watch it. And, and I just thought to myself, like, wow, like coaching is, I would never have listened to anyone that I didn't respect, yeah. um, you, you know, in that same way. So it just, it hit me to think about how much influence is, uh, a leader in sport can have that influence. And so I'll look back and, and I have another funny story um, about, um, you know, cause I, I think women and girls um, confidence is, is a big thing and, and we have to do a better job of instilling and passing that down and growing that in females in general. And I remember um, like, like similar to Jill, any sport I tried, I was kind of like, you know, good and and excelled um, but I did step on the badminton court in high school and I I played the, I remember looking at this girl and I thought oh, I got this and anyway she's my best friend now and it's so funny because she skunked me right like just totally destroyed me and I sat and I was just like I couldn't even believe it anyway so and I I talked to her after I was like wow like how did you do that and you know like and I know she's, she, it's not like she's not a good athlete as well, but I, I mean, you know, we, we could have, we should have had a good match, but anyway, for her, it was just this, this confidence about her. And I was just like, wow, you know, the goal setting and the, and the confidence, and she's brought that to her, her job now and done very, she's been very successful. And I just look up to that so much and I'll never forget that element of sport for me. And it was like another aha moment. And she's like, wow, another female. And she is so confident. It's amazing. Like you don't, you don't see that very often. It just blew me away. Do you think she, she was that given to her by a coach? Was it natural development? In both your experiences, did you have any mental skills training given you as athletes? I can say very little, like very, very little. And and like, you know, looking back, you kind of see those gaps. And and if we did, it may have been different. Um, But no, there was very, like I said, the the female influence was very low or limited, as was the everything that goes into sport that we know now. to, to, to create that high performance, I would say I, I certainly wasn't exposed to that. Yeah. And I was, I wouldn't have been exposed to it until I got to the, um, the varsity level um, where we did have a sports psychologist working with our team. And that would have been um, my first kind of experience um, doing some of those exercise and really being mindful of the mental side of the game. It's Which, often, like I say, it's often too late. And I feel, like I said earlier, it's the Mario Brothers. Rather than fixing the pipes, we need to make them strong so they don't break in the first place. And mm-hmm. that can work at any age. And I feel there is more emphasis, certainly in my sport at the moment, soccer, for bringing that in. And, you know, especially going through a pandemic where mental health is coming to the fore. So these elements are all sort of colliding at this moment in time. For both of you, 
It's, it's an interesting one as I'm listening to you because one's obviously played hockey as a junior and had to fight our way to prove herself for the boys. And then Jill's done lots of sports for fun and enjoyment of it. What is more important, graft or luck or both? I, I mean, I'll jump in here, and I, I think it's it's definitely both. I'm I'm a hard worker. Like, there's nothing I do better than hard work, <laughs> always. Um, but I I do think, and I don't know if it's luck or opportunity or being presented with opportunity. But if if you don't have you know, that pathway is not very clear for females. Um, the exposure to females who have been successful is limited. Uh, to find champions who can point you in the right direction and expose you early and um, push you uh, is is very hard to find for female athletes. And I think that, that those we we need to do a better job in the coaching world to to prop these girls up and show them what they can do and what they're capable of. Uh, I don't know that you know we're coaching females to the capacity of what they can handle and what they should be offered. I think it's it's you know something we just have to figure out a little bit better. And yeah, Jill, just feel free to chime in here. Yeah, no, I I, I would be the same thing with me. Graft and luck. I would like to think that a little bit uh, more graft. You'd like to see hard work rewarded. But obviously, we all know, even outside of the sporting world, that there are other factors that come into play that um, provide better opportunities for one over another. But I would say ultimately, if they're lacking hard work, it would be hard to get there alone on luck. So it, yeah. it would have to be a little bit of both for sure. Yeah, I know we've had a couple of people on and like Steve, so and he's said about the, the hours and hours in the gym in order to get the minutes on the court. And the harder you work, the luckier you get. Quickly, in terms of your coaching now, I know you're working with juniors. Development or outcome? Because again, even as in female sport now, certainly... I'm seeing more and more parents demanding that outcome. You know, we're going through a stage of recruitment at the moment and lots of girls are switching teams because the team they're on is not winning. So with your coaching, are you development or focused or outcome? At this phase, uh, I would say it's more development focused, being that we have um, a range of skill level on our team. Um, with that being said, though, there's definitely... Jill and I have taught, discussed goals, I guess you could call them outcomes um, that we have for our girls. But through that, it would be focusing on the development for sure. Getting these girls the access to development um, that's just for them. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, uh, John, just to jump in there, like yeah. we, we've, you know, we're working with eight and nine year old girls. Um, so they're, they're young. They're just charting their, they're, um, dabbling in, in whatever they d decide to do. But we both know and have talked about, you know, kind of that mental, the importance of the mental training. And so we picked two things that they could focus on and that would hopefully resonate with them and hopefully the parents, because we know that they're such a, um, influence at this age but the two team or squat goals that we have this year are our personal best and team best and and personal best we want them to you know come to the practice every time prepared they're focused they're there to train they're um, they're going to do everything in their power to 
control what they can control, control what they, um, what's in their influence. And then the team best is focusing on cohesion, supporting each other, pushing each other. And so we've talked to, to the girls about this and um, asked them to write us what those mean to them as a start. So, I mean, we're trying to get, because knowing that we, we were limited in our opportunities to even think about things like this, try to develop a program that we're using our female counterparts in sport and, and bringing them in to have an influence on these girls at, an, at a young age. So we've already seen, you know, a power skating coach that's a female and we're introducing a, a dry land training coach that's, that's, that's female and works with all, all women and um, just to round out and, and to kind of see that progression of, of where they could go. Um, we're we're going to be um, talking to a, another team in, in St. Albert, the, the St. Albert Slash, and getting the, a mentorship program set up. So, I mean, we're trying to make those connections. Yeah. And um, yeah, so those are just an example. So it's, it's interesting. So you use goal setting in defining the personal best and team best. Again, I liken it to soccer because most parents looking on will tell you it's a team game. And I keep telling them it's not a team game. It's an individual sport played in a team. And in order for the team to play well, they have to do well as individuals, which is your personal best. Because if you get the personal best correct, then the team plays better. That's right. And so how do you how do you relay that to your parents? Is, is it like you're, you're sort of prepping us for the season because we haven't got there yet, right? <laughs> okay. Um, so, and, and I think we will have to be prepared for this because like Jill said, we are, the skill level will, is going to be varied, right? Because uh, that's the thing about female sport is uh, we don't have the numbers uh, to, to be able to have all girls on one team and then have good competition uh, against all girls. So we have to either play in the men's system or have a girls team playing against um, boys. Both, yeah. I mean, all scenarios are good in my opinion. Uh, it's just sort of what you make of it. And, and um, so I think we have to be prepared for some, well, some parents won't even come on to the girls team because, you know, that maybe their, their player, their daughter is, is more skilled than what, you know, the, the median on our team. And that's okay. Like we know that there's different pathways for every, every child and every family. Um, but yeah, I think we will have to figure out, um, how we emphasize the development piece and, and really focusing in on, on this year being, you know, an, an incredible and unique opportunity to learn a whole bunch. Within that, I also like what you said about on the mental skills was reflection, where the girls are writing down their own goals. So now they're actually reflecting on what they need to do. And it's something that we never see before. And even now when I, I watch children playing sport. No matter what's going on in the technical parts of the training session, they just go and play the game without any thought about bringing the two together. So that reflection is, is really key. Next question I've got is, you know, what is the one thing that you had, you were really challenged and you had to think, how am I going to get through this? That may It may have been, you know, maybe you were released from a team or is there one example you've got? Um, well, mine would be, uh, I think it was my third or fourth year of um, on the Pandas. Um, we had just started the season. I was a returning captain from the year before. I believe it was an early ex- exhibition game. Um, our team was made. It was a coach Draper called me in for a meeting and told me I was going to be a, a healthy scratch for the game, that he didn't feel I was performing to where I should be. Um, and I took that quite hard. You know, 
I came out of there and I was, you know, mixed emotions, like mainly anger. I would say anger was the main emotion at first that I felt outraged that, you know, as a captain, like I should be, how am I a healthy scratch? Um, You know, once I, once I cooled down and I reflected on how I was playing and how I had been performing, I, I saw that there was room for me to make improvements. Um, fine-tuning skills, um, working harder practice on and off the ice. So while at first that really supercharged me and I was full of emotions, I came out of it um, constructively and I, I worked harder. You know, I, I, it was a wake-up call to gain my spot back in there. Um, so that was... So do you think that he, he's, did he give you the advice on what you needed to do or was it just a case of, you're not, you're not. I think it was a case of he's trying to light a fire. Yeah. I, yeah. And it worked. <laughs> At first, I thought this is not working. This is not the right way to deal with me. Maybe this works for boys and not girls. But in the end, it it did end up working. So. so how would you deal with that situation for a young player now? For a young player now? You're the coach. Eight or nine years, I wouldn't. uh, I wouldn't healthy scratch a nine-year-old. I think absolutely at the higher level. I think absolutely if it uh, communication was relayed as to as to why, because we all know that a lot of times um, things go to young things go to their heads. Um, They may think they're they deserve more than what they're getting when they're not maybe in fact working for it. So. It can be a good wake-up call. I, it may not be the right method for all players, but for some, I think, yeah, for some players, I, I would use that. So do you think that he knew going in how you would react? Yes, I do. So that's maybe why you've done it. And if it was someone more sensitive or emotional, it might be a case of going in with an arm around the shoulder. Yeah, absolutely, I think so. Okay, so he he saw that you were the fiery one that he could. Yeah. And Jill, have you had had a challenge that has made you reflect on your development? Yeah, I wouldn't say as much as uh, on on my own. Um, Like I've never been cut. I've never been scratched. Like like I've had like this kind of dream uh, sport career, I guess. Uh, However. It kind of, it kind of. When I look back, I think, oh, I wish I would have been pushed harder, right? I wish I would have had some opportunities where I could have been cut and had those, you know, moments where I, I had to push harder and learn. But anyway, I didn't. However, I will talk about my, um, you know, the on the coaching side, and and so I have I have three kids, two two boys and a girl, and of course with the boys, um, they they play everything as well as, um, but hockey they got into quite early and. And so, you know, just just figuring out as a as a mom, as a female, as somebody who's been in sport their whole life, how how I can fit into this this coaching world. I mean, I was just shocked at how many dads and how many coaches there were, and like how like that that to me has been my my biggest challenge is just trying to navigate how I can get in there and feel confident and, and contribute and be respected. Um, I mean, like, like it's totally okay for a dad to go on there in blue jeans and like skates from the 1980s and a wooden stick and, and, and parents are happy. Right. Um, but you know, as, as a, a mom goes on the ice, I mean, if you don't have, 
some credential and some pedigree, like, you know, like that's not going to go well. And even with, um, you still have to talk about it to let people know where you're from, what you've done, what you can contribute. And like, it's just, you know, I'm not really a person to talk about, you know, where all those things I just like to go and do. And, but yeah, I quickly realized, okay, I'm, I, I kind of have to, I kind of have to pull out these cards and, um, even still, that's not even enough, right? Uh, so, so it's just just been interesting. So again, I know speaking to other female coaches who've worked at high level, they've said every time they walk on the field, they need to validate themselves. Whereas, like you say, you see it in in both sports, team sports, soccer and hockey. People will just walk out there. I know in soccer and hockey, I think are doing the same way to bring in standards. So you can't go on the ice unless you've got the coaching certifications and stuff. Do you think that's going to help you? in terms of your delivery? Because people seeing you going on the ice now will know that you've attained a certain level of certification. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, in sport, we have to have some validation and and to make sure the people that are coaching our kids are credible and and Mm -hmm. have have done something. It's really interesting, though, like, you know, now now with my daughter, you know, and people are catching wind, even in our own association of, oh, the Jills are coaching and they, you know, they've been there and they, um, they're taking all the girls and they're developing their, and, and people are actually saying, well, I'm kind of jealous. Like, <laughs> can I put my boy on that team? Like, you know, and I was just like, this is awesome. Like, yeah. you know, what a change. And um, yeah, how I, I'm just proud, like, I guess, and that we've come that that far and uh that that's huge most athletes are certainly champions have a fight um something that drives them to achieve the successes that they they desire so again with both of you in your coaching or your playing career what is the fight the one thing that drives you (laughs) yeah mine would be um proving people wrong all the way from a young age uh trying to play play with the boys with the sports I played um it would be the drive to prove people wrong and prove that I deserve to be there and I that kind of holds true um throughout my life and even today so again I know talking earlier you were saying about growing up as a girl playing in boys hockey and do you think that's reflected even in your coaching now because there are it's still predominantly male orientated sport you know it's mostly coaches are, are males so do you still yeah. feel that's a drive for you now? Absolutely. I'm shifting more to a coaching role. Uh, it's the same kind of underlying um, things that I've been met with, uh, just that it's still more common to see a male's coaching, um, whether that be um, co-ed, boys or girls. Uh, it's just more often seen that there's men involved uh, than women. So um, that continues today, even though um, some people may have fewer qualifications than I do. They're still viewed as more an ideal candidates, um, regardless of the fact that I have a higher pedigree of hockey background. So proving people wrong still rings true in everyday life for me. And Jill? Yeah, I like I wouldn't say it uh, so much as a as a fight for me, John. Like I wake up every day and my mantra is kind of like do good things. It's so simple, but um that's kind of how I how I go about my day and and uh in life in general. And so I mean for me it's about um you know, for the future, I have like just having kids and having a daughter now. It's it's for me about um paving a better path for them. Not that I 
like we talked, we had a good conversation about the, the great positive things about sport that I've experienced. And so I just want people to be able to enjoy that too. And um, for me, that's kind of, that's kind of why, why I'm in this, why I keep going. And then from a personal perspective, I mean, I just love, I love a challenge. I love um, the feeling of playing an awesome game or, you know, giving it your all in a workout or whatever. Like I, I that's, that's what keeps me going. So for you, the drive is the challenge, the challenge to surpass yourself. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's very self, um, self-motivated person. Like it's all about kind of that personal best that we talked about earlier, um, you know, in, in life, in sports, raising a family and my job with my friends in the community. Like that's kind of, you know, do good things and, and challenge yourself always kind of thing. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. What mental skills, you know, we talked earlier about goal setting and reflection what mental skills do you use in your coaching delivery now with your athletes or even with yourself? Yeah, I, I can take this one. Um, so I think, you know, for us right now, we've talked that the girls are quite young. Um, and, and, you know, like even for me as a grown woman, confidence is something that I work on all the time. Um, and so for us, what's important is to find these little moments. So it's teaching moments, it's coaching moments where we can try to get the girls feeling confident, um, find opportunities to, to stretch them and, and to pump each other up, kind of that girl power um, mentality. We're there for each other. Let's support each other. Let's push each other as well. So that's kind of like those types of things, those value-based um, moments are kind of, I think, what we'll focus mainly with, um, with the younger girls. So it's empowerment, but how how do you actually do that? How would you recommend that to a new coach coming into sport to to identify those those empowerment moments? Yeah, I think like it, it's so fluid, right? There's no there's no playbook in my opinion because everything, every person, every situation, every team is so different, and so um, I think it's really about self reflection. What kind of moments really stood out for you? For me, I talked earlier about that one coach. That, you know, like it was a, it was a life moment, not, not on the, it wasn't on the pitch. It wasn't on the court. It was wow. like, Hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm there for you. I'm your champion, but I really need you to go to go this way. Or, you know, you need to see the bigger picture here. Like those, those kind of moments I think are, are so critical. And as a coach, like I think everyone just has to realize how, how much, how impactful you, you are, or you could be um, in, in these and kids' lives. Yeah, and I, I like the example there because I've often said that for every hour you spend on the field working with athletes, and you've probably seen it in your own playing career, the coach needs to spend two or three hours having that impact on players off the off the field, off the ice. It's, it's those moments in the locker room where someone's down and you, you go and give them that arm around the shoulder or that little boost to get them going again. Yeah, absolutely. For, for both of you, what, what are your personal coaching goals for the future? Um, well, my personal coaching goal would just be to um, develop what we, we've been given, this opportunity um, with this group of girls this season, and um, try and grow it. Uh, we're at the grassroots level right now, but I'm excited um, for what uh, opportunities will come from this for um, the women involved and both the girls that we're, that we're ultimately doing it for. 
So what about for you as, as a coach, to where would you like to see yourself going? Obviously traveling with this, this team. You know what? Well, my, my kids are young. Um, it's hard to think too big right now, but um, yeah. definitely as uh, they become more independent and not so dependent on mom that I, I would like to maybe coach a higher level women's team. Um, and Jill? Yeah, like, I mean, Jill nailed it. Like, right now, we're, like, I'm juggling three three kids in sport and school, full-time job. Like, it's, it's really hard to just, like, sometimes even look to, to tomorrow what's going on. Um, however, like, there's, there's nothing like um, this amazing feeling that you get from giving. And, and through sport is just, like, like, a dream, right? So I love it. And... Um, I'm not sure where it will will go or if, it, um, if I have a, a real de, um, defined future in um, in coaching. However, I just you know um, being with my kids is is really important, and if I can instill like some of those great habits and learnings from sport in them, and, and then you know others that were around, that would be that would be awesome. That's my dream. So it does reflect one of the real barriers for any coach. I know when I landed here from from England, I realized that the Canadian sports system and lifestyle is everything is scheduled. Um, You know, juggling three boys, we were running around. I was on the field coaching. We're running around trying to get boys to soccer, hockey. I see that as one of the real barriers. And it's it's trying to find that time and that balance, like you said, with your life and your coaching and your career. Um, Last question I got, and probably the most important, is if you had a magic wand, what would you like to change in the sporting world, especially coming out of COVID, to make it to make it better for for everyone? What is the one element that needs change? I, I do think like that focus on development, especially at a young age, is so critical. Um, like it, yeah, like I've seen with my even my boys going through hockey and you know the shortened benches and the focus on on outcome and and the score of the game was, was too high. Uh, too early so I, I really believe in empowering the kids through sport and and focus on development if, if we can do that I think we're we're all in a better place and then I'd just really love to you know making sure that we we have pathways for women and girls in sport and that on sort of those opportunities and making sure that we're supportive to to create those opportunities so um, those are kind of two things that I would love to see. I echo both of them, and the first one especially, the long rosters that we get in many sports where children are probably sitting out after sessions and games rather than actually taking place. The only way we learn is by doing rather than sitting on a bench watching. And again, the pathways for, for more women, I think we touched on this, was the standards that are coming into both soccer and hockey where whoever's got the better qualification should get the job. That's what we're saying. And Jill, what, what, is, what was the one thing that you would change? Oh, well, that kind of was my magic. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. And <laughs> um, what just um, for it to become more uh, normalized to see women in the sporting world, from coaching to training to power skating, become more normal. And like you said, based on people getting positions based on qualifications. Hopefully, we can see some of this happening. I know with COVID, there's there's got to be a, a move towards bringing more inclusive sport together, rather than elite programs where funding obviously provides more opportunities for some. So, thank you so much, ladies, for your insight. It's been great talking to you, and again, getting the female perspective of the challenges that coaches at all levels face, especially women coming into sport. 
Can we get those standards in place and raise the level of sport for everyone? Thank you for listening, everyone. If you have any questions or feedback, then please drop me a line. And hopefully we don't see a second wave and we can keep getting back out on the ice in the field in the coming months.